Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 31st episode, the Esteban Ocon episode, and I'm here ahead of the United States Grand Prix. And this is a special episode with a friend of mine who came on the very first episode of Break Bias. He's a big Red Bull and Max Verstappen guy. He's hugely responsible for me getting into F1. And we're going to talk about the season, what Drive to Survive might look like in March, and a lot more. But first, I have to preview the USGP. It's lights out and away we go! The Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. What an event. What a track. And what a race we had here in 2018. Uh, one of my favorites ever. Kimi Raikkonen's last win in F1. But we're not here to reminisce. We're not even here to talk about 2021's Austin race where Max Verstappen won in brilliant fashion, one of his best races in F1, if you ask me. But this is 2022, and Red Bull can win their first Constructors' Championship since 2013, finally putting an end to the Mercedes Turbo Hybrid era title reign, cementing themselves as the cream of the crop and the pinnacle of motorsport once again. What I'm actually very excited for, though, is FP1. You might be like, what are you talking about, Brad? Well, I will explain why. Because we have young driver's tests uh, for multiple teams this weekend. Um, If you don't know what I'm talking about, at the beginning of the year, F1 made a rule where each team had to put two young drivers in practice sessions. Brilliant rule. Um, But we have quite a few this weekend, Uh, most notably the arrival of American driver Logan Sargent. Yes, American driver at the Circuit of the Americas. And even though Williams might not have great performance, uh, I think we all know that, um, Sargent has talent and I can't wait to see him drive an F1 car around a track in his home country. Uh, We also have Robert Schwartzman in the Ferrari. That'll be Ferrari's first young driver's test. Um, And IndyCar driver Alex Palau in the McLaren. Uh, McLaren actually announced who their two young drivers are going to be in tests, and they're still not going to give Alex, uh, Alex, Oscar Piastri, um, a shot in FP1 this season, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, Alex Plow is going to be here, uh, like I just said, and then Pato Award will be in Abu Dhabi. So I'm looking forward to those two for sure. That's still very exciting. Um, and those are two pretty good cars to be driving in for your first practice session in 2022 F1 cars. It's hard to know because it's an FB1. Sometimes they just go um, and, you know, like Nick DeVries and the Aston Martin and Monza, I think they just had him doing, like, um, testing runs. They didn't even give him, like, a proper – or maybe they did give him a, a, a shot at quality pace. But still, in, in practice, it's always hard to know pace because you don't know fuel loads and a whole lot of other things, power settings, you know the drill. Um, however, it's still going to be – worth keeping an eye on. I can't wait to see those three in the cars and their reactions once uh, they get out of their car after their first sessions in F1. Um, But there is a greater storyline going into this race um, than the championship narrative and an American driver in an FP1 session. Um, Those are two pretty big storylines. But unfortunately, the cost cap saga has still not reached its conclusion. Uh, The potential penalties for Red Bull, Aston, and Williams are still pending. And chatter hasn't seemed to stop over the week break uh, we've had, and I'm sure it will pick right back up when F1 arrives in Austin. Um, But thinking about performance, uh, I think this will have to be another Red Bull playground, won't it? 
Um, we just saw them dominate. Well, we saw Max dominate in Japan. It was wet conditions. Um, qualifying was very close. But that's kind of how it's been all year, you know. I, I don't think Ferrari is track dependent. Um, they're always going to be quick over one lap, no matter what, no matter where they are. Some tracks they might be even quicker over one lap. Um, but they're pretty much everywhere going to just fall off a cliff at some point during the race. The Red Bull is so much better on their tires, which is crucial for race management and, you know, the total time it takes to complete however many laps it is around that circuit. Tire management is critical, and Red Bull just has that dialed so much better than Ferrari does. And Mercedes is always a wild card, you know. This has always been a track that Mercedes has liked. Um, and I could see them doing well here, although they have cited it. It's a bit of a bumpier track, and that could cause some issues. However, I think they got to be more competitive here than they were in Japan. But do you really think they're going to challenge the the level that Max Verstappen and Red Bull are on right now? And Sergio seems to have got out of that slump. It's hard to not predict a 1-2, um, but we'll see. What's my prediction? I got the Verstappen Poland win. Wow, shocking, I know. Uh, with Leclerc, I'm going to say he's on the front row, and I think he's going to take the lead into turn one, so it's going to make the race a little bit more interesting. However, I think we all know that it's an inevitability that Verstappen will probably undercut him at some point or overtake him on the track, uh, and Leclerc will probably fall into the clutches of Perez, just like he did in Japan. This time, I think... Perez is going to get bogged down by a bad start or just a bad qualifying. I think he's just going to have a little bit of a harder time making it through the field, catching up to Leclerc, and I think Leclerc will hold on for P2, but Perez will take the last spot on the podium. Signs struggles again is my prediction, and then the Mercedes will slot in behind 5 and 6. My bold prediction will be that McLaren outscores Alpine and that Cowboy Danny Rick finishes ahead of both of them. Yeah, that's a very bold prediction, and it's basically just because I feel like Danny Rick's vibes are going to be immense this weekend, and that a lot of his performance at this point really does come down to his confidence and his headspace, um, so it's really nothing to do with the Alpine's performance, because I think at this point, it's definitely better than the McLarens. I just am really cheering for Danny Rick in this uh, in this Grand Prix and I have a feeling that it'll be a good one. I got him making Q3 as well. I will say that. Q3 in points at the very least. Um, so, yeah, guys, that's just my quick uh, predictions um, and, I guess, preview of the race. Uh, we talk about the race uh, here with my buddy Andrew. And we talk about a whole lot of other things. And that's basically going to wrap up the episode when this interview is over. Um, but it's a fun conversation, and I really felt like it's been a while since I've given you guys a guest on the podcast, so I thought I'd bring back the old friend of the podcast um, and just have a bit of a more lighthearted, fun conversation to give you guys instead of more of a serious interview like I've had with Tim. I'm going to still try. I, I had, I've had i actually reached out to a few people, and it hasn't worked out so far. An interview has also has fallen through. Um, however, Andrew's my friend, so... He was there for me, and he's able to uh, give you guys uh, a great conversation. So let's go to Andrew. All right. I'm here with my guest, Andrew Schock. He was on the first episode of Break Bias. So good to have him back. Um, you actually have some pretty big news, though, since the first time that you were on. You, you got engaged, man. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again. 
Yeah, yeah, I went to uh, Italy with my girlfriend and uh, yeah, came home an uh, engaged man. Yeah, that's got to be one of the best days of your life, huh? Oh, yeah. Super happy. Super happy. <laughs> yeah, but, but happy. Absolutely. I, I couldn't imagine it. But anyway, let's let's get more into F1 here. Um, you were here at the beginning of the season. We had any, A race hadn't even happened. We had no idea what the Bahrain GP was going to look like. Um, I think you predicted Carlos Sainz to win. Not quite. P2. But uh, <laughs> cool. um, what have you thought of the season so far, man? I, I bet you're enjoying it as a Red Bull fan. Oh, man. The season's been absolutely nuts. Obviously, that, nothing lives up to last year. But uh, no, the season's been good. Like, as a Max finish, it's obviously great to see. Lots is happening. It's great to see the new cars. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's really only one thing to focus on is that Max has been in a league of his own. And it's just pure dominance right now it's yeah pretty, uh, abs- lewis hamilton-esque yeah absolutely and like i do after every single race i do like a, a prize where i don't really it's not my, like necessarily my driver of the day but basically like who took the biggest dub of the weekend and yep. it could be max pretty much every single weekend but i try to like mix it up because he's just that dominant um yeah but yeah like you said last year probably the most exciting championship we might ever see in our lives like it was that special and this year um i wanted to ask you about this because this is probably the most anticlimactic championship i've seen in any sport ever would you agree mm-hmm. yeah yeah honestly <laughs> like <laughs> what mean, did you make of that like, driver's uh, title win i mean bizarre that was probably one of the most bizarre championship races i've ever seen in my life first max not knowing if you win FIA actually not even knowing if Max won or not when he crosses the line. It's probably the most ridiculous part. Yeah. But I mean, Max is winning it no matter what. So, I mean, there's not too much controversy around it. But if, if you don't understand F1 rules, it's okay because I don't even think the FIA does. Yeah, no, exactly. That's, that's a great point. Uh, it really feels like they don't know their own rules half the time. And the broadcast team certainly didn't because they were saying the whole race that it was going to be half points. And then all of a sudden it was full points. Yeah. Uh, yeah. F1's a weird sport. You didn't stay up to watch that live, did you? I did actually. I was, oh uh, my. <laughs> out at the bar, came home for this race. I was like half an hour late. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll miss the first little bit. Then yeah, no, came with the safety car. Everyone was in the pits and I was like, oh, it won't be too long. And I fell asleep. So that's a loyal fan right there. Wow. <laughs> I did not stay up. Woke up and I was so confused what, what just what happened. So <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, because you didn't even realize he was a champion until you woke up. Oh yeah. No, I I didn't even like I fell asleep before the race actually restarted. Oh, so you stayed up to watch it, but then <laughs> missed it. I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because yeah, I stayed up to watch the start. But then I was like 30 minutes in. And I'm like, this doesn't look close to starting. I'm going to bed. Yeah. I will catch this in the morning. And I didn't look at anything. So I didn't know Max was a champion before I started watching the race. So that was good. But yeah, very anticlimactic. Um, sure. Yeah. Well, it's just a matter of time till Red Bull wraps up both championships. Uh, they can do it in Texas this weekend. Uh, would you, as you know, fellow North American, I know Coda's not a home race at all for us, but. I still think it's kind of cool being kind of on our side of the world. Do you rather seen a win there or in Honda land? Um, I mean, Honda is super cool and it's like super symbolic for Red Bull, obviously. Um, so obviously the way it happened isn't the way Max would have wanted Red Bull would have wanted it, but um, no, I think it's cool. And with Honda coming back with a sponsor on the car for the rest of the season, um, I think 
I think some big things are happening with uh, with Honda coming back in 26. Um, so yeah, we'll see. They love Max. They love they love Red Bull. And from my understanding, they never actually wanted to leave. They just had some CEO changes, and they had to cut costs somewhere. So it was unfortunate to see them leave, but I think they're they're coming back soon. But yeah, no, I think it's I think it was a uh, definitely special for them to win in in, in Japan. For sure. And I think it'd yeah. be. I think it'd be cooler too if maybe they hold off the constructors till Mexico, maybe. Maybe that'd be interesting. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I wasn't even going to ask you about this, but you just made me think of a question. Would you think, would you rather see Max like get out of the way for Checo to win in Mexico? Do you think he would do oh, that? And would you want him to do that? 100%. I think he would. And I would 100% want to see that. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> because I, think I mean, would want that too. Yeah. No, that would be epic. I mean, it does take away a little bit when like a driver lets another driver win. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that would be just absolute scenes. Sure. Yeah. And it, it, for sure, yeah. but it's happened in the past, like Michael Schumacher and Ruben Sparacello have both let each other win in the past uh, in yep. the two thousands. And it's kind of lame. The fans have booted a couple times, but in Mexico, I don't think there'd be any booze for a Checo win, regardless of the circumstance. No. Uh, and man, talking about Checo and Max, like, guy's an animal dude like for him to for him to let max get back into the championship in 2020 against lewis was unbelievable and he almost did the exact same thing this year with uh carlos so or with uh leclerc right on his tail for the last three laps like guy's honestly a legend yeah it it is hilarious that it worked out that way um yeah that bring i mean I don't know. I, I obviously it was an it was insane defense in in Abu Dhabi. Like that was that little couple laps of racing was phenomenal. In yeah. the end, it shouldn't have made a difference, but we won't get into that. That's you could do have a whole podcast on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think I'd be remiss, man, if I didn't ask you about this cost cap drama that we still have, and this ill isn't over. Um, I think I already know your answer, but are you worried about the twenty twenty one championship? Um, but also, are you worried about the future of the team? Uh, to answer the first part of that, I mean, it's a tough situation. I think Max isn't going to get affected at all. Driver, you can't blame the driver in that situation. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a huge moment for the FIA because you got to take it seriously. You got to put your foot down with introducing this new uh, regulation. So, I mean, if they they kind of if Red Bull kind of gets away with it, then I think you're going to see a lot of teams start to uh, you know do the same thing. And I don't know, it'll be it'll be super interesting to see what the FIA decides because no, it's, it's really important. But um, I don't know. I think if you're Red Bull and you go over the cost cap, I think you almost take that. And if they take away the constructor, sure. But if you're getting the driver every single year in a better car, maybe, maybe they do take that. I don't know. Yeah, Uh, no, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head with the beginning of that, um, that this is a crucial decision for the FIA mm -hmm. um, because like this cost cap thing is, it's basically a whole new era of F1. Um, Like take like outside of like the car differences, the behind the scenes aspect of it is a whole new area. Uh, Teams like Mercedes were spending 400 million each season and now they're restricted to whatever it is i think like it's 150 or something like that mm-hmm. um it it sets the precedent you know it it's like if you're in a courtroom you got to set a legal precedent this is basically the same thing and 
I think I've I've been pretty um, adamant that I think Red Bull just needs to be penalized in the future. Don't worry about anything that happened last year. Although, if it was egregious, then yes, you'd have to penalize them for the year that they overspent as well. But it does right. not appear to be egregious. It appears that no. they like kind of made a small mistake, which is still kind of equally surprising um, for such a well-oiled machine to make a fundamental accounting error. But still, um, I think what the what the proper penalty should be, in my opinion, is that they should have like a reduced cost cap for like a next season at least, maybe next couple seasons, um, and probably just lose like testing time in the winter. Uh, right. In terms of the 2021 championship is kind of just what I'm getting at is I don't think that would be the worst possible thing to happen to bring that whole thing back and just give Lewis Hamilton that championship would just be like the worst way to win a record breaking championship as well. Um, I'm, I'm quite confident that the 2021 uh, results will stand. However, I do think that Red Bull should be penalized uh, quite harshly in the future because that reduce of a cost cap will make a difference and the same at the testing time. However, because they overspent on a new regulation year, they're going to be benefiting that until 2026. And I think that's what makes Mercedes and Ferrari so unhappy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we don't have all the information, so I guess it's still just a wait and see. Yeah. Um, but I was curious what your take was kind of from the other perspective as being a Red Bull fan, because I kind of want to see Red Bull penalized. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny, too, because like, I don't even know, some uh, Dutch reporter, there's like rumors out there that like their 5% was on like catering. Yeah, right? I, I keep like seeing that. all, you see those memes? You see those yeah. memes? Yeah, they're they're hilarious. It's like yeah, Red Bull like, gives you wings and it's just chicken wings. Yeah, Ferrari's <laughs> like, uh, you see uh, Saints and... Uh, Leclerc like cooking like on one of their like little promo things. It's like Ferrari respecting yeah. the cost cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't yeah. know. We'll, we'll see. Christian Horner seems pretty confident that they're it was just you know everything on their end was good, but they found something. But yeah, I don't know. You, you can't penalize the driver at the end of the day. They're not they're not responsible for that. They're not in the loop. So yeah, no, you gotta you gotta penalize the team. I think wind tunnel time or some or cost even further reductions in the further years. I think that's fair. Um, I mean, even if they took like hundred points away from the championship this year, I think that's not even enough because Red Bull would still win that. Well, that, and that's the thing. And if they did that last year, they still finished second. So yeah, either exactly. way, if they do constructors points, it does nothing. No. And I can guarantee you that Mercedes and Ferrari would be upset about that. Yeah. Um, they definitely want like some sanctions on like future years. I think, um, but yeah, like I said, we'll see. We'll see what yeah. happens. I, I really, I just can't bring myself to believe that Red Bull like overspent massively um, no. and did it, even did it on purpose. Like, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's it was stupid. only like 5%. So, yeah, but people are saying 5% is 7 million. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it is a lot. It's up to, yeah. it's up to 7% or 5%. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, okay. yeah, I guess one little thing I wanted to, uh, bring up to see what you thought uh before i ask you about drive to survive is uh this weekend in in the usa we got logan Sargent stepping in Mm -hmm. uh at williams uh how how much are you looking forward to that i mean american driver at the american team uh it's at the expense potentially of losing one of our canadian drivers but do you do you really care that we're not going to see latifi in f1 anymore 
I do not care to see <laughs> Don't Latisse go. <laughs> uh, that guy has not done much for the sport. And it's it's honestly kind of embarrassing as a Canadian to have him on the grid. So I think we're okay with Stroll for now. I'm happy to see him go and see a new driver join. And an American would be awesome to see on the grid, especially with uh, three Grand Prix in the U.S. next year. Like, that'd be huge. Yeah, and for a small team like Williams, too, I think, like, yeah. they they have the history, so they still have fans, but they they need a bit of a boost, I think. Latifi is, they're held back by a lot of things, Williams, because, like, financial reasons obviously um but they're also ha- being held back by latifi yeah. like if they had another driver that was capable in that team i think it could actually bring them back up the grid a little bit um mm-hmm. but they need they need two and albon is certainly one of them um but i think you got to give a shot to an american driver that uh is highly touted as logan Sargent is and see what he can do so I, i'm glad that they're finally made the decision to let Latifi go as much as it's it was nice to see uh two Canadians on the grid but I mm-hmm. think I I'm okay with it if an American comes in it's uh, for him okay. uh but yeah no I'm I'm excited to see how he does in FP1 even though he's in the worst car uh we have yeah. a lot of drivers actually um in FP1 we got Schwartzman in the Ferrari uh I think there's someone in the Alex Palau's in the McLaren um but yeah uh let's Let's talk about Drive to Survive then. Uh, that was our main kind of conversation when I had you on the podcast for episode one. Uh, Drive to Survive had just come out. We're talking all about Sonoda and Horner and all that good stuff. Um, this year, probably a lot less drama, especially in terms of the championship. I'm thinking that we'll probably get a good Ferrari meltdown episode. Um, maybe a couple. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the <laughs> maybe whole the season. season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but I guess the one thing that I've seen, I haven't seen like a whole lot of chatter about what's going to be in drive to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did see one tweet earlier in the year that, um, the, the cast crew was with Nick DeVries and Williams in Monza. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be really cool. Um, but is there any moments that you'd like to see in there? Yeah, no, I didn't hear that. I think that'd be really cool to see Nick DeVries behind the scenes going to, I mean, see what he tested with three different teams. We've, uh, Mercedes. Aston Martin and Williams so yep yeah no that'd be really cool to see um as a Max fan I think it'll be cool he was on the part of my take podcast and he said that uh you know he's talked to the board and they've kind of settled things and they have like a mutual respect now so he's actually going to be in the next season which is really cool um yeah no it'll show the dominance of him but I mean even at the start of Drivers Survive when I started watching like with Lewis winning every single year like he was in it a bit but they just kind of there's always just moments of like, it'd be like with one team that would be like, Lewis wins the race. And they would never actually go into that. Yeah. Just like, well, no. In the first season, Mercedes and Ferrari actually both opted to not take part. Yeah, that was yeah, actually, true. yeah. And then the second season, the only episode Mercedes got was like them having an epic meltdown in the German Grand Prix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that was, that was embarrassing. And that's why they'll never wear special outfits again or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah it'll, be, it'll be cool to see that. I mean, um, yeah, you just you never hear enough about the small teams on social media or on TV. So I always just love seeing that the Haas and the Williams and the all that. So yeah, no, I'm excited for it. Yeah, and um, Nick DeVries to AlphaTauri, Red Bull family. Are you happy about that signing, even with the uh, ex- at the expense of Gasly? Yeah, no, I'm really happy about that. Don't know about Gasly being the right fit for Alpine. 
um, seeing that they were looking for an experienced driver and a leader in that team. I'm not too sure if Gasly's actually, you know, lived up to that role. Yeah, I mean, he's done unbelievable with Alphatari. I mean, best in history, but like, I'm just really sad to see Daniel Ricardo not go back there, you know? Like, that's every, all their qualifications was like pointing to Ricardo, but with their past relationships, I guess they just kind of get over it. But I don't know. It'll be, it'll be cool to see the two French drivers together. Um, but yeah, no, Nick DeVries on Alphatari is un, unbelievable. Uh, pretty cool hearing like that Max called him up and yeah. told him to, yeah, told him to uh, give him a call and he did. And yeah, I know. Sad to see probably for you that he's not going to Mercedes anytime soon, but we're going uh, to your teams, but I, I, I'm not upset about it at all. Mercedes was, um, like saying the whole time like uh, unfortunately there's just not going to be a spot for you here anytime soon because they kind of knew that lewis is probably going to stay for a little bit and george is the future of the team so no i'm I'm not too upset that they're missing out on nick devries i've always actually been a fan of his and wanting him to get a seat i did not expect it to be alpha tari but hey mm-hmm. i'm i'm just happy he's going to be there uh do you think we're we're going to get an orange bowl team in the future or what the LC, Dutch. Yeah, like what's, uh, <laughs> what's Sergio? Another few years? Just signed? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, I don't know. Red Bull's looking super dominant this whole era, I think. I would not be surprised to see them, you know, get another three or four. Yeah, it could be even four, you know, driver's championships and constructors. So we'll see with Sergio. He's been the perfect wingman. He had a Low point in the season this year, but I mean, he's come back last couple of races really well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That'd be, that'd be really, really cool to see and be huge for Red Bull and huge for the Netherlands. Yeah. And when you say uh, you're expecting Red Bull to kind of dominate the era, um, I mean, that definitely is kind of the precedent that for uh, past F1 eras have set. Um, it seems that like once a team gets it right, they kind of continue that dominance. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how quickly Mercedes can come back. I, some, they're already saying 2023. I think it might be a 2024 thing. I think 2023, they might get close, but Red Bull's just so far ahead at this point. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and Ferrari is a complete unknown because they started out so well and it feels like they haven't really got any better, mm-hmm. um, where Red Bull's improved a lot over the season. Um, so that'll, that'll be something to keep our eye on, I guess. But you mentioned Daniel Ricardo. I wanted to quickly... Mm-hmm. Uh, elaborate on that. Um, I thought he was the perfect fit for Alpine too, and that's where I wanted to see him go. Uh, but clearly, like you said, there was just something there where I think it, I don't remember, I was listening to another podcast, and I think they said that it was like some executive at the team was like, No, like we're not doing this, he is not coming back. It just looks so bad on us that he like ditched our team, and now we're like asking for him to come back. So I think getting Gasly was kind of. It wasn't, I wouldn't say perfect because they definitely fumbled that whole driver uh, market <laughs> thing that they had going there. Um, they fumbled the bag for sure. But getting Gasly kind of made the whole situation just a little better. However, I would love to see Ricardo at Haas. It just doesn't seem like Ricardo wants to do that. No. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. He He's one of the best drivers we have in the sport still. I mean, he had a rough year. He can't get it right with McLaren. I think he's, he's in his head and just the car's not working for him and no one team can't figure it out. He can't figure it out, but he needs a fresh start. And I just think it hurts. I think he thinks that, and I think that a bit too, if it kind of hurts his career, if he goes down to Haas and like 
it could go downhill really quickly if he doesn't perform there, you know. You'd have to have a really breakout season or drop, like just drive X like really, really well there, you know. But and I also don't know if I see him as like a reserve driver for Mercedes. I think that's also something he's not interested in. He wants a full time seat somewhere in the midfield or an upper high tier team. And I don't blame him. Like I think you're I don't know, your career would go downhill quick. Go work one of those lower tier teams. I, I see what you're saying. However, this would be my counterpoint to that is that not being on the grid is already your career going down. And if he's looking at a 2024 return, he is not getting it at a top team. Red Bull is locked up. Ferrari is locked up. Mercedes, their only potential opening is Lewis Hamilton. He hasn't signed his extension. It sounds like he's going to. However, would Mercedes really look at Ricardo? I don't think so. No. Um, McLaren, he's obviously not going back there. And Alpine seems pretty content with not having him join the team as well. So what other options is going to be there? Haas, yes, they're probably not ever going to make it to the top of the grid. But hey, at least you're an F1. Williams seems way too far down the road that they would ever come back to relevance in F1. Alpha Tower is never going to be a good team unless they like sell the team to Porsche or something. Um, mm. And that leaves... Like only like two other teams, Aston Martin, Alonso's there. I'd love there. To Aston Martin, to be honest. Yeah, so I don't know. That I'm, I'm just looking at I'm looking at all the options, and I just don't see it for Ricardo. I just think if he wants to be in F1, he should take the chance to be on the grid now. If he goes there and slaps up Kevin Magnussen, I think it raises his stock. His stock is not going to be raised sitting on the bench for an entire year. No, that's a fair point. Yeah, I don't know. Guess we'll have to see. But uh, it will be a crime to see him not on the grid. And the following year of Drive to Survive, if he's not there at all, I feel like ratings plummet. For sure. Favorite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, super sad. Super sad. But... Well, that's pretty much all I want to talk to you about, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Good to be yeah, back. This was, yeah, this was fun. Thanks again to my man Shaq coming through with a great conversation. Honestly, I hope you guys really enjoyed that as much as I did. Just to talk uh, to this massive Red Bull fan. Jeez, what a bias on that guy, huh? (laughs) I'm just playing. Um, But yeah, that was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. That'll do it for the Esteban Ocon episode of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back with episode 32 next week after the United States Grand Prix. Oh, say can you see? Goodbye.